Well, welcome to the first Sunday of the eight. The eight is a place to renew and reset life. We're starting a one-off talk today, and then tomorrow, and then next Sunday, we're beginning a four-week series called "The Fullness of Life." Just to start us off, who knows what was the biggest retail company in America before Amazon? Walmart. That was the place to go, I mean, just to get everything you need. The founder of Walmart goes by the name Sam Walton. And Sam Walton had a a rule for all his employees, and he called it the 10-foot rule. The rule was that if anyone comes within 10 feet of you as an employee, that you engage in conversation with them, see how they're doing, and see if they need help to get anywhere. And if they say, well, I'm looking for light bulbs, I'm looking for plants, whatever it is, that you don't just say, okay, well, you're going to turn here, and then you're going to go up aisle 4B, and it's going to be on the left right next to whatever, that you don't do that. His rule, Sam Walton gave to all employees, is that you have to walk with them, that you tell them, hey, well, just come and see, and I'll I'll show you where it is. And then as you're walking them to there, you you explain, you you talk to them and see how they're doing, uh, how their day is going, and see if there's anything else that they need. This is a universal rule, not just for Walmart, but for major organizations and corporate, in the corporate world. Like you go to a hotel, you know, there's somebody there greeting you right there. I'll give you an example. Just Thursday, my wife and I went to go see Aladdin on Broadway. It was awesome. And we went to go see it, and there was somebody at the, the front making sure we have our ticket. Then, and, I mean, I know where my seat is. It says, like, row four, whatever, seat E. But instead of just me finding it, there's somebody escorting me to there. It's a universal rule that we see in all around different companies and organizations. Why? Why is that such a universal thing in customer service? There's power, and there's something personal about saying, well, come and see. I'll show you where it is. Instead of me just telling you where it is, there's something personal like, come here, I'll walk with you. So tell me where your seat is. I'll help you and escort you to your seat. This universal truth is something that an uncreated God practiced himself. That he didn't just sit and say, okay, these people that I made, they better listen to me and they better obey, they better follow my Ten Commandments or something that's going to bad happen to them. No, he says, you know what? I'm going to come down myself so they can come and see the fullness of life. I will come myself in order for them to see how they're designed to live, how they can have that fullness of life that they're yearning for. This man, as you know, goes by the name of Jesus from the city of Nazareth. The people that followed Jesus for those three years used such a wide array of names to describe who this man was, that he rocked their lives, that sometimes to describe one aspect of who Jesus was to them, they would say, this is my physician. Another gospel writer would say, this is the Messiah. Another gospel writer would say, this is the Lamb of God. There was such a wide array of titles given to describe the Son of God. In the gospel according to St. John, someone who was very close to Jesus and was recording all the, the amazing historical events that he saw Jesus do, In his very first chapter of his record, 
that he wrote in the Gospel of John. Within the first chapter alone, he used 13 names, just in the first chapter, 13 names to describe who Jesus is. Because one aspect saying physician described one thing, but then using the word Messiah described another aspect. Using the Lamb of God described another aspect. And there was different titles explaining all of who Jesus was and is to him and who he is to you and me. John was recording facts. John was recording historical events that occurred. And he recorded in his first chapter different people that were curious for more. He was recording different events of people that said, who is this Jesus guy? Is he like Elijah? Who is he? So John was recording these records of people that were interested in wanting more out of life and their interaction with Jesus. At this time, there was one that we talked about in liturgy this morning, John the Baptist, one who was setting the path and leading people to Jesus. And John kept on repeating the exact same message over and over and over again. You need to repent. You need to see where your life is so you can see the physician. I want you to, to, to see inside of yourself what parts you need to work on in order for you to, to come face to face with the healer. For you to have fullness of life, you need to see what you're missing. What are your voids? And this is the path that St. John the Baptist was setting as being a forerunner. As he was doing that, there was a gathering of people that came close to, to John the Baptist and started following John the Baptist, waiting for the Messiah to come. One description of, of St. John the Baptist's role as far as paving the way was this. His name is St. Ephraim the Syrian, which was a deacon in the 4th century. He said this about John the Baptist. It is fitting that when the light of the sun appeared, that the light of the sun appeared, the light of the lantern should fade away. It is fitting that when the light of the sun appeared, when the light of the sun of Jesus comes, that the light of the lantern disappears. This is how his description is of John the Baptist. That John the Baptist is one little light of a lantern, helping, guiding people through darkness of their life to the one true light. But once the one true light comes, that here is to give light to the whole world, okay, the little lantern has done its job. This is his description from the 4th century of John the Baptist. So again, there was a group of people around John the Baptist waiting to see where, where is this physician? Where is this Messiah? Where is this Lamb of God that you're talking about, John? You keep on saying over and over again, where is he? So as they're hanging around the Jordan River, the next day John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, there's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what are you seeking? So to give you a, a picture of where they are, there's two disciples next to John and they're hanging out at the Jordan River doing what they usually do every day. And all of a sudden, John sees in the back, very far away from the river, he sees Jesus coming. And he says, that, that is the Lamb of God. That's the one I'm telling you about. That's him right there, the Lamb of God to give you the fullness of life, the, the one that's there to make you whole, that's him right there. And the two guys following Jesus are like, wait, where, where, John? There he is, over there. So those two that were next to John the Baptist said, peace, I'm out of here. There's the guy that you've been pointing us to. You've been great, John, as little lantern, but there's the true light. There's the light of the sun. We're going to go follow him instead. So as these two were going to seek Jesus, Jesus turns to them 
Like Jesus is walking, and these two are running by him. And Jesus turns and says, what are you seeking? Might I help you? The two disciples said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. These two knew that they wanted more from life. And we have records that this is Andrew and actually the author of this, of this record, John. These are the two disciples that were following after Jesus. And Jesus said, what are you seeking? Like, may I help you? What do you need? They didn't just say, well, you know, I had a really bad time with my boss. Like, can you, like, zap him? Can you help me with this thing? I have an exam on Monday. Do you mind just making sure I get an A? He said, they said, Jesus, where are you staying? What is implied by that? They wanted to have a personal relationship with him. They didn't run and say, can, can you just help my marriage? Can you just help this thing really quick? I know you can do a lot of cool stuff. Can you just snap your fingers or blink or whatever and do this thing for me? Really, please, please? They said, no. Jesus, where are you staying? For you to come up to me and say, hey, where are you staying? You're wanting to know more about me. Hey, what part of Atlanta do you live in? You're wanting to know more about me. These two disciples went to Jesus and said, where are you staying? Jesus didn't respond and say, okay, right next to that bush and that stone right there, just about 100 yards away from the Jordan River, that's where I'm staying. No, Jesus said, come, come and see. Jesus is inviting him, inviting them to take one step. Take another. What are you seeking? Just come. I'm not going to give you just a quick answer. I know you're wanting more. You're seeking more. You're hungry for more in life. Just come. One of the two who heard John speak, John the Baptist, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, Bro, we have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ. What did Andrew? Andrew is Peter's brother. And he literally wanted to, bro, you, I, I, like, remember we were talking about trying to find out who this guy is that we've been studying the Torah like since we were kids and all this stuff from the Old Testament? Like, you know all that? Like, now I know the guy who fulfills all that. Bro, you have to come. This is the Messiah. This is him. This, this is legit. This is the guy. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Many early Christians, on their meditations and commentary on this passage from the Gospel of John, are saying that this is the foundation of the church. He didn't tell Peter, okay, now I'm going to call you stone. No, he's saying this this interaction is the stone, is the foundation of the church, which is what? Person A, wanting, seeking more. And person B, the fullness of life, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, says, I'm here. Come and see. This is the foundation of what the church is. Again, it's a hospital. That they were seeking more. They called Jesus a rabbi, which means what? Teacher. They, were knowing, they knew that where they were, and they knew where their heavenly father was. And they said, teacher, where are you staying? Where can we find more about you? Where can we find this overwhelming peace that I've been hearing you talk around town, around Galilee and Nazareth? How can I find it? How can I partake of that? One of the beauties 
of the ancient faith is we celebrate the ones who followed Jesus in such a wide array of different, in different forms. The people that have said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. They executed that in very different ways. Some of them gave up their life for that. Some of them imply that in their marriage. Some of them apply Jesus in their workplace in such a wide array of different ways of implementing who Jesus was to them in different ways. And we celebrate them as Orthodox Christians by celebrating the day that they departed from this world. And these are the saints and the martyrs who have paved the way for us because we see in them how did they follow Jesus. Not just like we celebrate, yeah, the people that came before us and we just sing hymns and that's it. But no, we meditate on their lives and how they said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. But how did that look like to them? This is why we meditate and honor their lives because we look at them and say, how can I implement that in my lives in the year 2018? There was one man that was one of the 12 that followed Jesus, whom we celebrated his departure on the Coptic New Year's Day, on Tuesday. Many of you might have heard the name Bartholomew, but he also goes by the name, yours truly, Nathaniel. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip is coming to his friend Nathanael and says, Hey, like, I, know, like, I know you're a wizard with all the Torah stuff. Like, I found the guy that completes all of that. I found the guy that fulfills all of that. I found him. And Nathanael said to him, Nathanael, I mean Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He tells Philip, come on, let's just be real. We know Nazareth. It's a dumb little town. Nothing good comes out of that town. Like it's just, it's a, it's a dump. You're telling me that this one, this place, like you're telling me the one that fulfills all of the Old Testament, all the Torah, all the stuff that I knew since I was a kid. You're telling me, this, this king is coming from Nazareth? Philip said to him, I don't have the answers for you. I don't know a lot of stuff. But I do know there's something unique about him. There's something different about him. There's something about him that fills a void inside of me that I never knew existed. Just come. Come and see, Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Just quickly, just to give you context of why Jesus is saying this, oral tradition, ancient tradition of our church says that Nathanael was reading Genesis 28, which is reading the story of Jacob, uh, and Jacob having a dream of a stairwell leading to heaven and a connection between heaven and earth. And Jesus says a comment to him, that describes who Jacob was. And he says to, to Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed. There's no deception in this guy. Like, this guy is the real deal. This Nathaniel guy is the real deal. Nathaniel said to him, Wait, have we met before? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, 
when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Again, in ancient Christianity, there's a wide array of different descriptions of why Jesus said this. One is that Jesus knew uh, Nathaniel from he was a kid. And Jesus is saying, I've seen you since you were a little kid. I've been seeing you hanging around and playing around the playground there next to the fig tree. I've seen you there. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Teacher, you are, you are him. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Is it because I said to you I saw you under the fig tree? Is that why you believe? You will see greater things than these. And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What is Jesus telling him? Are, are you just, you're, now you're going to call, you call me king all of a sudden just because I knew you since you were a little kid and I called you out? Is that why you're believing me now? I'm telling you, Nathaniel. Like, yeah, I know, like, yeah, that's great. That's great that you follow me. I'm telling you. What you will see and what will occur in you is more than your wildest dreams. And you will see now a connection between heaven and earth, and you will see this man, who is that connection, work in your lives like never before. And who is that that connects heaven and earth? Is me, Nathaniel. I'm here. I'm here and God, as God in flesh, to have an intimate and personal relationship with you. I'm not someone distant. I'm not just some fairy tale. I'm not just something that stuff from your Torah points to. I'm the real deal. I'm here to have a tangible and personal relationship with you. All that stuff you've been reading, Nathaniel, and, the, and about Genesis and Jacob, and he saw heaven and earth connecting, oh, that's me. That's me, Nathaniel. That's me. We know from our church tradition that these followers that said, my life now belongs to this man, Jesus. Philip ended up going to Greece and continued to spread the word of who Jesus was to him. He went to Syria. And he also went on some trips with Nathaniel. So Philip and Nathaniel were, were BFFs. And Nathaniel went to Yemen and Armenia, we have from, from records, uh, from his journals, that those are the places that he went to spread the word of God. All of this began for Nathaniel. Just by his friend saying, listen, I don't have the answers to what you're asking, but you know what? Just come. You know what? I don't understand a lot of this like Coptic stuff or this orthodoxy stuff. I don't understand why the priest does this. I don't understand all that, but just come. Just come and see. The priest is pretty good and they have good coffee. Just come and see. Just come and see. Some of us are intimidated that we have to have all the answers before we talk to a coworker. What if they ask me this and I don't know that I'm going to look like a fool? No. Say, you know what? I don't know, but just come and see. What do you have to lose? Just come and see. Because of that phrase, come and see, there was a ripple effect that God came in flesh for you and I to come and see. The two people that followed Jesus... Up, going up to his house. Jesus said, come and see. And because they wanted more from life, they said, you know what, why not? And they ended up staying with Jesus. Philip had a friendship with Nathaniel. It began as probably just co-workers, probably just friends. 
and just small talk, and maybe there's God to eat every now and then after work and things like that. And then Philip just said, you know what? Like, I, I don't have the answers to your question, but just come and see. And that's it. And that changed the course of history just by those three words. Come and see. There is a continuous ripple effect because as one person saw the beauty and the love and goodness of God, that they spread that to other people. The Samaritan woman, a woman whose life was rocked because she saw someone who could heal her, someone who is the living water. And she had hesitation. She's like, who are you? You know, you shouldn't be talking to me. And she said all this kind of stuff to Jesus. Like, you know this is a no-no. This is against culture. Like, you shouldn't be talking to me. But her life was rocked, and we know her of her being a saint and a martyr for the church named Saint Fotini. And what did she tell other people in her, in, her, in her town in Samaria? She said, come, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Her vulnerability, her humility. She didn't say, yeah, yeah, you should come see this guy. She said, you know, come, come and see a man who knows like the deepest part of who I am. And she just said the word, come and see. And she completely changed the city of Samaria to follow their heavenly father. Your father is asking you to come and see who you are and who he is. Your heavenly father is asking you for you to come and see who you are and who he is. It requires one step at a time. Those two disciples that followed Jesus. They said, I don't know a lot of things, but Jesus said, come and see. You know what? I'll take a step. Maybe for you to renew your life, maybe for you to reset your view of marriage, to review your set, to review, to reset your view of, of, of church, come. Come and see. Come with your questions. Like some people are so scared, like, I shouldn't be asking, how do I know God exists? Like, I feel like I should know that. Like, I was born in the church. I shouldn't. No. Ask. Come and see. Ask your questions. Ask your questions and come. Just take one step closer to your Heavenly Father. He came down to be personal and tangible for you to have that personal relationship and come face to face with Him. For you to come face to face with Him and come with those questions. Those questions are good, those questions are healthy. So he is inviting you to come and see. And then as you take another step, he's going to say, come and dine. Come and drink. That he is leading us from one step to the next to the, to the next. Our relationship with God is not a one and done. Oh, the Pope baptized me. You know, I come to church every once in a while. My dad was this. I'm all set. No, it's a journey. It's a journey. I take one step at a time. That I come and see him here. I need to, allow, I need to come and see him in my marriage. I need to come and see him and this issue that I have. I need him to come and see this, this thing in my life where nobody really knows about. I need him to come and see. I need him to be incarnational in these different aspects of my life, that I need that personal interaction for him to come. This is my invitation for you. This is my invitation for you, for St. Mark. This is my invitation for the eight, a place for you to come and renew and reset life. Next week, we start a four-week series called The Fullness of Life. There was something about this man that sparked an interest in Andrew and John and Philip and Nathaniel. 
that they left everything because they saw something in Jesus that they never knew existed. They saw the fullness of life. So I'm inviting you to come and see. I'm inviting you to come and see who he is. And as you take that step to see who he is, you will find out who you are. All right? All right, let's stand up for a prayer real quick. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Our Heavenly Father, there's a lot of things we do not know. A lot of things that confuse us. A lot of things that we don't have the answer to. But you are not just a God that just just sent a letter and and says, do this or do that and just check a checkbox. That you are desiring a relationship. That our walk towards you is experiential, as a relationship. And that you invite us to just take one step at a time. Lord, we're all here in this room, maybe at different stages, maybe at different steps on this walk towards you. But one thing is for sure that we're all invited and asked to come and see and to take that next step. For us to come and see, for us to come and drink of you, for us to come and dine with you. This is your invitation toward us. And when we do that, we become your light and become the light in our lives, in our relationships, in our work, and for our city of Atlanta. Through the prayers of St. Mary, the mother of God, and of all the apostles, through the prayers of St. John the Baptist and St. Nathaniel, here says we all pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.